Hey, what's up, Primo? What's up? Uh, how you feeling today? Good. Hey, All right, that's good. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a new episode of FNF Perspectives Podcast. Today, I will be discussing with my cousin theories about how um, they might move along with the Joker uh, series of films that's being uh, rumored to happen and our theories about what exactly happened in the first Joker film in 2019. So I'm here with my cousin Gio. Say hi, Gio. Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Gio. Uh, here to talk about today with Frank about uh, the theories of Joker and what possibly, you know, basically what the ending was supposed to mean, like, you know, what could have happened, and, you know, in terms of overall the film. And also what that might mean as far as a possible sequel. Yeah, like what could leave for the future. So, for those who don't know, this film was directed by Todd Phillips, who is actually best known uh, before this for directing the Hangover trilogy. Yeah. Um, which, to be honest, for me, looking at that and knowing that the Hangover trilogy was done by this guy, this Joker film was quite a um, pleasant surprise. Like I didn't expect them to go that far deep into like the mind of um, someone who is so mentally disturbed. How did you feel about that, Primo? Uh, Well, yeah, I mean, you know, when I first went to see in the theaters, you know, like before that, I heard a lot about how the film basically depicts the portrayal of mental illness and, you know, the character of Arthur Fleck. This is like a, a movie, like, you know, you know, it's more like, goes into deep into the mind. It's like a psychological type film. Um, it's not exactly. really... Yeah, it's not a action film. It's not a horror film. Um, it's pretty much like a crime drama, but it's basically more like a psychological type thriller. It basically introduces us to this character, you know, based on Joker. And basically, it's, it's providing like a possible origin story, like what we could learn, like what really drove like the Joker character, like, into madness. Like, what was his backstory before he became this um, this world-known villain? You know, especially from the, you know, DC comics overall in terms of Batman. Right. So, How, however, um, it's also been said that this, this, this version of the Joker doesn't exactly exist in the DC universe as well, which... I, I can kind of see being that we get we get the one scene of him um, with Bruce Wayne, which Bruce at the time is no more than I'd say probably seven to ten years old, um, which you know makes sense when you talk about him being from a whole other like timeline like this film completely separate from the DC universe. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's, oh. it's it's set in the past, too. It's not, like, modern or anything. It's right. from 1981, the, the movie set in. Yeah, so it's about 20 years before, you know, Batman begins. Um, yeah. So, that being said, I, I think you know, the subplot of this film was so um, interestingly, you know, written out and, and directed. And for those who don't know, which you should know by now, the subplot of this film was the fact that they tried to throw us off by saying that Arthur Flick was actually a Wayne by way of being the illegitimate son of Thomas Wayne and Penny Flick. So I felt like that subplot was kind of awkward at first when I first saw it for the first time. 
But when I went back and saw it a second time, you know, it, it took a second time for me to kind of understand that subplot. So what did you think about uh, Todd Phillips throwing that subplot into the film? Yeah, about Arthur uh, possibly being the half-brother of Batman, Bruce Wayne. Exactly. Um, I mean, at first I didn't like the idea that because, you know, for years we all have known that uh, Batman and Joker, especially Joker, has always been the arch nemesis of Batman. You know, you would right. see them like if it was like either a Batman movie or comic or animated film or a Batman uh, animated series. You know, we, we always know like they always at one point came, you know, head to head at each other because, yeah. you know, as we know, Joker, he's like one of the most evil villains you know, to ever, you know, been, you know, to have existed, you know, right. all the murders he's committed and, and, and just. And I wouldn't like this brings up the point that we talked about before that maybe Arthur Flick, Joaquin Phoenix's Joker is not the Joker that we've come to know and, and love in a sense as a Batman. Uh, yeah, fans. like, like he's not like the, the real Joker that that always, you know battles against Batman because during this time period in the movie um, you know Arthur Fleck was already a grown man and we see a younger Bruce Wayne who like you said is from 7 to 10 years old so um, you know would it make sense if when Batman's a grown up and then he finally battles against Joker because I'm assuming that in this film Arthur's about maybe 35 to 40 so by the time you know Bruce is already Batman uh, Joker would probably be like maybe in the seventies, so kind of wouldn't make or, sense. Or at least you know that version of Joker, at least. Yeah. I I feel like other Jokers, such as um, Heath Ledger's Joker or Jack Nicholson's Joker from nineteen eighty nine. I feel like maybe they're trying to say that these are more guys that looked up. That idolized Walking Phoenix's Joker and kind of became their own variation of that same uh, evil nemesis. Yeah, which would make which, which would make sense because in each of those films, The Dark Knight and uh, Batman from 1989, you kind of get a sense that Joker and Batman are around the same age, which would make sense if they're you know, arch nemesis at that point. Yeah, and um, I'm thinking, like, Arthur Flex, he's, he mostly, like, inspires another person out there who had somewhat the same ideology, but different. Maybe, right. like, kind of like Heath Ledger's Joker, he wasn't really, like, rebellious against, like, the the political system, especially involving, like, Thomas Wayne, of how, like, back, if you see Gotham City in 1981 and Joker, like, you see that the, the high class had, like, a much power you know, distinctively over the, the lower class, like Arthur's community. So, but Heath Ledger's right. Joker was more like a anarchist. He basically, he didn't care about, you know, getting, you know, powerful. Like, he was powerful, but like he wanted, like his world was chaos. Like, he's basically like a terrorist kind of, like, he wanted to take control of the city, not because of, you know, of the community he was in where he felt like he was being uh, overly controlled by the higher, you know, class in the government. He just like he wanted like to you know involve explosions, uh, terrorist attacks, robberies. That was his you know his world. Well, well I I feel like um, the way they carry out the subplot of the possibility of Batman and Joker being brothers, um, not only was it well played out, but it was also set up to, um, done to set up. The other part of showing that Joker got his mental illness possibly as a hereditary thing, because we're we're starting to see that you know it, it's the mother Penny who makes Arthur believe that he is the son of Thomas Wayne, and then we see that scene between Arthur and Thomas Wayne um, in the bathroom where, you know, he kind of confronts Thomas Wayne and Wayne tells him, look, your mom's crazy. 
Um, I don't have a, you know, you're not my son. And she adopted you. So, um, I feel like that was just going to show that Arthur is not the only crazy one in the family. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but then, you know, we also learned later, later that Penny wasn't Arthur's real mother. In fact, she adopted him. Exactly. So that leaves another mystery, too. And um, another thing I was thinking about last night as I, as I was trying to come up with this podcast in my head was, is it a possibility that maybe Arthur Flick in the asylum, the whole movie... And the events that we're seeing leading up to him going into the asylum have already happened prior to the event of the movie. Maybe they're just showing us what ended him up there. Yeah, because uh, if you remember, like uh, the scene after he got jumped by those uh, those kids, it, like you know, right away after that, showed him in the therapist's office, right. the social worker, and uh, you know, she was asking him questions if he has his joke diary, and then she asked him, you know, about his previous hospital stay at the mental asylum which was i'm assuming arkham state hospital um right. you see in that scene it shows a scene another scene where he's in his cell and he's banging his head against the the cell door and what i noticed is that the clock that was in the the cell it was also the same time with the clock that was in the the social worker's office so it's a possibility that you know a lot of the scenes that we saw was all in his head while he was locked up in the cell, he was like making a story about himself. Oh, I, I'm sure they were all in his head. What I'm saying is, did these events really happen maybe off screen? And then by the time, you know, Joker actually takes place for the viewer, the, the things that we see have already happened. And it's just kind of showing us why Arthur Flick is, is in that. Um, asylum in the first place. Yeah, that could be a possibility too. Um, or, or I had another theory that you know that uh, like you said, it happened off screen. But I had another theory that the hospital stay, it that's actually years later after the events of the movie. Because I was, I also noticed that his hair looked a little bit like grayish too in the when he when it showed him at the hospital, at, like at the end. Right, but. Remember who's playing that role, Joaquin Phoenix, and he's, you know, an older man at this point. Yeah. So, you know, it, it stands to reason that he would have gray hair um, no matter what um, what you're doing in the movie. Yeah. I mean, but then, you know, most of the movie, you know, Arthur's hair was just, like, it wasn't white or anything. It was just, you know, plain, like, brown. But yeah, I'm brown or black. I can't. I remember, I think it was brown. Yeah. However, um. However, my my feeling on it is that you know uh, Todd Phillips and Joaquin Phoenix, when when talking about the film, wanted to give us a whole other side of Joker and wanted like the viewer to, in a sense, be sympathetic to Joker's cause um, with, with that all along he was executed beautifully um, because I can tell you um, as evil as Joker is, is meant to be um, as a character seeing this version of him and kind of seeing what drove him to the wounded again so to speak um, it kind of makes me feel sorry for him, you know. Yeah, I mean, I felt sorry for him throughout most of the movie because you know he was just like a a misunderstood individual, and you know right. he shows signs of mental illness, uh, depression, um, a lot of self pity. So I felt sorry for him because you know, mm-hmm. like people back you know around that timeline, they look like they just they don't want to help people who are you know less fortunate than them people who are suffering mental illness. Right. You know, he was trying... Right. Like, you saw in the movie, he was trying to get on his feet, but then, at the end of the day, people would just, you know, disregard him at most times. It, it's kind of that thing of kicking a man when he's down type of thing. 
and it's you know it it continues to happen throughout the movie, and then we kind we kind of see all the breaking points, especially you know after he agrees to go on the Murray Franklin show. You know, um, we kind of see the breaking point happen at that point because there's a scene where he, um, the two guys, two guys that used to work with him come to his apartment, um, and he kills one of them. Um, and, you know, I, I believe that was a scene just to kind of show us kind of how deep off the rails Arthur Flick has gone throughout the movie. Um, obviously, you get the the subway murders, which is kind of the beginning of this whole term for him. Um, but I feel like when you get the scene of him killing the one guy, yeah, Randall, who that was his yeah, ex coworker, right? Um, who supposedly supplied him with the gun to begin with. Um, which got him fired from his uh, from his you know job, which was another pivotal point in terms of you know kind of seeing how far now he can go down the rabbit hole, so to speak. Yeah. Um. So, you know, but that being said, um, I will say that the way that society was played out in this film had a big role in it as well. Like you said, he, he plays this character who is, you know, marginalized by society as just being a, a psychotic person. Um, and no one really understands him other than his mother and the other um, female character in the in the story, which yeah, his is, uh, his neighbor uh, Sophie, yeah, which you know we kind of see throughout the film as well that he kind of begins to create this whole um, relationship with her in his head, yeah, and um, you know, and that begins from the time he sees her in the elevator with her daughter. Um, and then after that, every time that we see the two of them together in the scene after, it's all in his head. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's sad too. It just shows how, you know, loneliness, you know, he was like how lonely he was. And he was just seeking to have like someone, you know, be there for him when, you know, he right. had nobody. Right. And, and I think it's, it's, Important to point out for those who don't know who maybe they saw the movie but they haven't thought about, you know, actually researching stuff about the movie. That this movie was kind of um, based off of two different things. Uh, Todd Phillips really wanted to base it off of um, a Joker comic known as the Killing Joke, where Joker, who in the comic is, uh, has another name, but it's the same concept of him being a struggling comic within that comic book. Um, and also, it's also based off of a film uh, in the 1920s known as The Man Who Laughs. Um, which is kind of where they get the idea of Arthur Flick having this mental illness that kind of causes him to have this condition of uncontrollable laughter at point. Yeah, I mean, even though they did, well, actually they said um, that the laughter, like the laughing condition he has, it was caused by brain injury. So, uh, Right, but the, the thought of, of adding that to the character to make him even more complex was really brought up one um, because of the film The Man Who Laughs um, Todd Phillips has said in an interview that 
he took inspiration from that film. Um, and also, that is also a real, like, condition. Um, as you pointed out, out to me the other day. Um, because initially I, I didn't know if that was an actual condition or if that was something that they just pulled out of a movie. It was like, we're going to add this on to the layers of the character of Joker. Yeah. To make him more complex. So, I feel the fact that they actually used a real condition to bring, you know, this movie to life, so to speak, is a really cool thing because it also uh, gives light to a that there are people that suffer from these different type of things in actuality. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah, and um, I don't. Have you ever seen the movie Taxi Driver? Uh, the one with Robert De Niro. Um, I I have seen it. It's been a really long time. I I do know that he um pulled some stuff from Martin, Martin Scorsese because he did say that Martin Scorsese was one of his real big idols when it came to. Filming movies. Yeah, I mean, I saw Taxi Driver, and, and I could tell Joker took like like a lot of heavy influence from it. Um, right. Like like the Travis, uh, like the character Travis Bickle, he was also like like similar to Arthur, except I I didn't really see him with psychological issues, but like in terms of loneliness and just uh, because the movie was like set around like a gritty New York back in the seventies. Um, you know, right. it was very like you know. Like a bad environment where there's crime happening, there's prostitution going on. Um, right. He worked as a taxi driver, you know, overnight, and he was even given a gun for protection because a lot of bad, you know, you know, dangerous, you know, criminal activity happened during the night. But I also saw that, you know, there was a counselor running in the movie. I I don't remember if he was running for president or counselor, but, uh, you know, he also saw that guy's corrupt too. So it was kind of like that character was also like compared to Thomas Wayne. Like in terms of trying to run for the right. city, but you're corrupt at the same time. So, uh, you know, eventually it drove Travis to, uh, man, it drove him to madness. And then, like at the end, we see him like turning into a different, you know, pers- persona. He's like, uh, he becomes like a vigilante kind of. So, like, there's this young girl who's 12, right. and um, she's being forced as a prostitute. So he had enough. You know, he was disgusted seeing a child doing this. So, All right. That, well, let me let me ask you something. Bringing it back to kind of the role that Thomas Wayne had in this movie. Um, prior to this movie, we don't really see the Waynes. Um, because as everyone knows, who's a Batman fan, they're they're killed very early on, and that's kind of what drives Bruce to become Batman. Um, but. Being that this is the first film in which we've seen Thomas Wayne be depicted, yeah, like, like um, I, this is the first time where we get to know him a lot more, right? But do you feel like maybe the portrayal that films wanted to do with Thomas Wayne in this movie, do you feel like that damages the reputation of Batman, or does it help it grow? Because, um. Whenever we see other Batman movies discuss Bruce's parents, they're always talked about as like caring individuals, even though they're rich, that they care about Gotham. But then when we see Thomas Wayne in this film, it's, you know, he's looking down on the lower class. He's, you know, basically saying that the lower class are full of, like, insignificant trash type of people. So do you feel like it kind of damages the image of Batman as a whole, being that, you know, in in prior movies, we always hear about the Waynes being, you know, caring individuals, or how do you feel about that? I mean, like, like when the scene when they show, like, his parents got murdered, it would kind of like, um, kind of change the way things were supposed to be meant originally. Like, 
you know, most of the other movies where we saw where Bruce Wayne's parents were murdered, um, especially Batman Begins, like you could tell like his parents were like his father, Thomas Wayne was like a good person and he wasn't like a, a arrogant type uh, model where he looked down on people. But in this movie, he, he like like him running for Gotham, he only just cared about people in his class. Like he didn't care about helping those that were in need. So right, and that's what I'm saying. Do you think that that damages the image of Batman overall in terms of how we look at the Wings as a whole? Um, I think it does, to be honest, because like let's just say like uh, if they do make a sequel to Joker and we see Bruce Wayne again, but we see him like you know training and like like moving up to becoming like a you know a symbol for the city, but. Then again, you know, his father was a corrupt, uh, what do you call it? He's like a corrupt politician. So, you know, right. they basically like, you know, then people are going to look at Batman like, like he's just like another, like, well, that's if, if somebody finds out he's Bruce Wayne, you know, the son of Thomas Wayne, but you know, he's not, he's basically right. just only going to stand up for pe- like, you know, protect people that are, you know, wearing Thomas Wayne's like class and not, you know, people that were Arthur Fleck situation. Because Batman's supposed to be as a, like a hero for you know all types of people in Gotham. I mean, that being said, I think the reason, or one of the reasons, Phillips chose to do that with the character of Wayne, is the fact that this Joker is supposed to be set apart from anything else Batman related. But if someone in the future decides we're gonna take the Arthur Foot character and interject that character into what's being now known as the DCEU, um, then I feel like if that's done, then it's gonna, that is going to damage everything else in terms of like how people look at Thomas and Martha Wayne. As far as you know, being people who actually care about every citizen uh, in Gotham. So you know, if, if that's the case, I I think that'd be a really good twist. But for the legend of Batman, I'm kind of hoping that they keep the character of Arthur Fleck and his story away from the rest of the Batman material. Yeah, and especially, like, because uh, I know a lot of people uh, said they wanted to see uh, this version of Joker go up against uh, Robert Pattinson's Batman. And the movie is coming out next right. year, but then a lot of but then it's been confirmed that this the Batman movie is going to take place in modern day, while Joker's set back you know forty years ago. So people right. are trying to see you know people are seeing that this is probably not this is not possible, and, and also confirming the fact that Joker's set in a in a alternate universe, which is called DC Black. You know, well that well that, and we already have at least three bad guys. Confirmed for the upcoming Batman film, that being the Red Word, Penguin, and Carmine Falcone. Yeah, um, and there's also rumors that there's like a couple more other villains that uh that haven't been revealed yet. Well, I mean, being that there's already three confirmed, I, I think you know if you add on one way another, you know, two or three, it's gonna be way too much for just one film. Because remember, a film, especially one that like Matt Reeves wants to portray, you're you're probably at most only gonna get two two and a half hours of real film, and if you're throwing in, you know, six villains, then someone's not gonna get screen time, you know. What right. I mean? So, you know, that being said, if Matt Reeves does decide to make this a trilogy, which I think he will. I would like to see some version of Joker pop up within the trilogy, but I don't... I I could do without Joker in this one, being that we have already have the Red Word, the Penguin, and Carmine Falcon. And then you have Catwoman, who... You know, she's kind of that friendly for Batman of, like, she doesn't necessarily want to hurt him, but she doesn't exactly help his situation either. Yeah. 
Um, you know, and that's already been confirmed with the casting of Zoe Gravis in that film. Um, that she's going to be Catwoman. So I feel like just interjecting another bad guy into that film, whether it be Joker or someone else, would be a little too much. Especially being that filming for that film has been kind of put off at the moment. Um, and so when they do get back to filming, uh, Reeves is just going to want to, you know, film the important scenes right offhand. Right. Like, like we talked about. So, yeah. But anyway, getting, getting back to the Joker film. Um, so the ending of this really sets up for a sequel. So with um, Joker supposedly killing the psychiatrist, I mean, we don't see that, but being that the there's a blood trail. Yeah, he left like a bunch of bloody as, footprints. Yeah, as he escapes from the asylum, you know, it can kind of be, you know, assumed that he kills the psychiatrist and then escapes. So, being that they set it up that way, we're going to most likely get a sequel, especially considering the fact that Walking Phoenix has already openly said that he would be open to returning to play the character once again. So, you know, being that, if we do get a sequel, what what would you expect to see or what would you like to see in a, in a sequel film? Um, well, I mean, like, I'm taking this from Todd Phillips, like, Tafil said, like, he would do a sequel again, but it would have to have the same uh, thematic resonance as the first film. So, technically, like, I feel like the second film is just still, like, even though we see, like, you know, after he gets hit by the ambulance and the police car, like, he's pretty much the Joker because he sees, like, people are all, like, you know, worship, worshipping him now. That he's finally, like, getting right. some type of fame in Gotham. He's got, he's got in a sense of cult yeah, it's like a at cult. that point. So, like, even though, like, pretty much he became Joker at the end, but I still think the second film should explore more about him because this is just the beginning for him and his career as, you know, the right. villain. So, I think, uh, basically, he, like, he should be known more as, like, a uh, like a dangerous, like, type of, you know, criminal in overall Gotham after the first movie and how, like, he can basically uh, see, like, how is he going to be able to take control of Gotham so, because mm-hmm. you know what I would like to see, and and this is just me. There's a couple of things I'd like to see in this uh, film. If we do get a sequel, would be one to kind of see flashbacks of him actually sustaining the brain injuries, because we we already know that according to the first film, you know that he sustained physical abuse from mom's ex-boyfriends and things like that. So I kind of like to see the things that led up to his mental state. Um, yeah, I'd like, like see, I, I definitely think we should like, explore more about, like, his childhood and why the way he is, because we didn't really get any... We didn't really get that much information in the first film, other than the flashback of his mom uh, being in an in interrogation room. So right, and I, and that's another thing I like to explore, like the character of Penny Quick, even though she, you know, she's dead at this point. I yeah, because he he did mur- mur- he s- murdered her with the pillow in her hospital bed. So, but you know, the character could easily come back in flashback. So I like to see like the mental enhancing of her, and kind of what led up to her supposedly adopting Arthur, and then also, um, I, and this is just the, the, the fan of me, it's something that I feel will kind of twist the plot in, in a really interesting way, 
I'd like to see him kind of um, build this relationship with Bruce Wayne behind Thomas's back where he's kind of trying to manipulate Bruce into turning against his father. Like, I feel like that would create a really interesting plot point for the second film. Yeah. Um, but do you also think, like, in the sequel, like, we'll possibly, like, you know, also get scenes of, like, the aftermath of the, the Wayne's murder and showing Bruce Wayne, like, like uh, where he is at the state after, you know, uh, witnessing his parents' murder? Like, is this the point where he's going to take advantage of uh, beginning to train and trying to seek justice into his own hands? Like, like what we see, well, like, like a different know. type of yeah. version of Batman in, in a sequel, aside from Robert Pattinson. I don't, I don't know because I don't think the sequel in this film will be that far apart in terms of like a like years. So I feel like we'll see a version of Bruce in the second film that's still trying to cope with the fact that. He lost his parents, and I feel like maybe that maybe Arthur could use that to kind of manipulate, or at least try to manipulate Bruce because Bruce would still be a little kid. Once again, trying to um, cope with the fact that he lost his parents, and the only like parental figure he'll have is Alfred. Yeah. I feel like eventually oh. to the point where uh, this version of Bruce Wayne, when he becomes older, like he'll try to go after Arthur Fleck because he would learn by then that uh, Arthur was the cause of all this uprising of these protesters and these rebellions. And that's what drove to get him his parents murdered because one of them, you know, was also another, you know, one of them right. was also the, the people that went up against Thomas Wayne and the, and the one that murdered him just decided just to, you know, go to that point to murder both of, you know, Thomas Wayne and his wife. Right. Um, well, let me ask you this, because we get so many different origin stories of the character. Um, you know, in this film, we do see the murder of the Waynes, but it's by one of Joker's followers. However, in the 1989 film, uh, where Joker is played by Nicholson, it's it's explained that Joker is actually the one who kills them before he actually becomes Joker because in that film he's kind of a, he's a, a mob gangster yeah. type of character. So, like, what do you feel about getting all these like different origin stories for the character? Because I, as much as I love the character, I I think, you know, we've gotten, if we get one more origin story for that character, I think I'm a freaking string. I mean, honest. it's fun because make a lot of theories, but at the same time, it's like, <clears throat> it's already getting like overwhelming because. Right. It, it's getting annoying, to be honest. Like, I I wouldn't mind seeing another Joker film, but I just hope. I, I, I mean, honestly, I think, I think the, the origin, origin story, story. would. With... Uh, Arthur Fleck works honestly because, like, in the right. like, you know, Joker is the character said this a couple of times, like in the killing joke, and also the Heath Ledger mm. Dark Knight uh character. They both said, uh, it only takes one bad day to go insane, so that's what happened in Joker. Right. Arthur Fleck just, you know, you know, he was always, you know, disregarded by society, and one day he gets like. Well, the, the depiction of Joker would suggest that Arthur Flex had more yeah, than one bad basically. But, you know, <laughs> the point where he found out he was adopted and, you know, he goes into his right. uh, neighbor's apartment. And from there, we learned that that was just, you know, his imagination of her being with her. And at that point, he's like, I had a really and bad then, day. And then on top of that, like, the fact that his favorite, like, night show host, you know, really takes his um, his comedy clip and makes fun of him like that. 
is really what drove him to be Joker. Because remember, he doesn't necessarily become Joker until he's already agreed to go on the uh, yeah. Marty Franklin show. Which by that time he's already seen the clip right. on Murray's show. So, you know, I feel like again, I would love to see another Joker film, especially one with Walking Phoenix in the way that Todd Phillips chose to direct this film and in the way that, you know, um Walking Phoenix was able to bring this character to life. However, like I said, if if we see a, another Joker origin story, I'm going to scream because, I mean, I know the idea is for us not to really know the origins of the Joker, but, like, it, it's getting annoying. I, I, I would much rather like to see another origin story for another Batman villain. Um, So if we get another Joker one, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think they should just stop from here, to be honest. Because I think they, I think they should build on the Arthur Flick character to kind of explain everything that hasn't already been explained. But other than that, I want to. Yeah, because honestly, this one already like proved it enough. This one like went into you know much more depth because most of the movie is just about him being Arthur Fleck, and then he became Joker like pretty much like near the end of the film, or at the end, so. Right. Near it, yeah, I mean, we, we throughout the film, we could see him kind of getting closer yeah. and closer to it. Um, But I, I feel like the, the climax of the film, um, where he murders Marty Franklin, um, that whole monologue that, that he dives into about being misunderstood, being, you know, made fun of and, and everything like that, including by him. Um and that's what throws him into the tirade was very well written and very well executed because I feel like there's a number of people in the real world who actually do feel this way and just don't know how to yeah, that frustration. Yeah, and I feel like even me, and, and I don't have mental issues, but you know what I have, and you know how I'm mar- feel marginalized sometimes by society myself. So I feel like just the way that that was written and done from an actor's perspective was just beautiful in terms of like, showing that there are people who go through these mindsets of being marginalized and not knowing the best way to cope with it. Um, because, I mean, I, I cope with my situation and, and, you know, you with yours, but there are people who can't cope with that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, because you know I mean, I mean? a lot of people, like, understand us already, you know, this point, but you know, in Arthur's world, right. nobody understood and nobody gave him a chance, you know, to do nothing. Not even the, I mean, his social workers like didn't right. really like, like seem to like try to care, uh, you know, help him either because, like, all she did was just you know judge him. And then he even, yeah, he even told her he's like, I tell right. you all this all the time every day, you don't listen to what I tell you. You just ask the same questions right. all the time. Right, and there's two lines in that dialogue right there that. That I feel spoke volumes where he's like, you know, where she's like, are you okay? And then he's like, all I have are negative thoughts. And then he's like, you know, all... When when he then goes and says, you know, I, I feel like I don't exist kind of thing. And I don't remember the exact words, but... Like, I think it was uh, for my whole life. Know, I didn't even know that existed, but I do. And that people are starting to notice. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, for my whole life, I didn't feel like I existed. 
but I know now that I do or something like that. And those two lines, especially when I went back and looked at it in the theater the second time, like it really spoke to me because, again, there are people who feel that way now and there's a point in my life when I felt that way myself. You know, obviously I don't feel that way anymore. You know, I've gained more confidence in myself. But those two lines right there, I felt were probably the most powerful lines delivered in the whole movie. Yeah. You know? And, you know, I I hope that Todd Phillips and Walking Phoenix come back and do a sequel so that we can yeah, like understand more. more. Because I don't, I like, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, I was making sense, but at the same time, like during the movie, you know, like, a, like you know, especially involving the neighbor and you know the scene after from the um from the car car crash where he's in the hospital. It's like the kind of like the narration is like, it's, <laughs> yeah, the the narration is kind of like jumbled. So it's like it's like confusing at times, but I think right. the sequel it should start to make a little more sense, like you know. Well, let me ask you this: as, as we kind of close out the podcast, because we're getting towards the end of time. Oh, is the time limit? Um, yeah, oh. there's a little bit of a time limit, uh, and we're getting close to it. But let me ask you this: um, if we were to see Joker, you know, in in this trilogy of films being uh, directed by Matt Reeves, would you want it to be, you know, kind of a walking Phoenix Joker in terms of, like, he's a mental case? Or would you want it to be just Joker? Like, he's smart, he just wants to cause chaos. And if so, who would you like to see in that role? Because I do feel like we're going to get Joker at some point in this trilogy of films by Matt Reeves. Oh, like I was just saying, like, you know, in a sequel to the Batman? Yeah, exactly. Like, if we were to see Um, Joker, what version of Joker would you like to see? Would you like to see him? As a psychotic basket case, like Arthur Flick was, or just someone that just likes to cause chaos, much like the uh, Joker. And if so, who would you like to see take on that character? Well, I would say I would like to see more like a Heath Ledger type Joker. Mm. Like very interesting. Like because, like you know, Joker. The point, like the movie, the point was just to show like the the origin story for the character and why the way he is and why he became this, you know, monster that we know. But, right. but you know, like, if it's a Batman movie where there's action and all that and there's, like, a a reason for it, then I think, like, the movie's character version of the Joker, it should be more like like a sinister type, you know, villain. Like, like, like Heath Ledger, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit of a mix between, like, Jack Nicholson's, where, like, they mm-hmm. have power. Ledger's. Yeah, like where they have power and all that, and they you know have an idea of what they want to do, because in in Joker, like uh, Arthur Fleck, he didn't have like you know all of a sudden you know that he killed those three guys on the on the subway, that was only because self defense. Well, at least the the first two guys he killed, so right. he, he didn't know he was gonna he was gonna spark an uprising in Gotham City, but because he 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 didn't have it planned out, but mm-hmm. and he wasn't powerful either. But you know he Ledger's Joker. You could tell that he's been uh, this villain for some quite, you know, while now, and he had an idea. He had power. He had henchmen. So right. I would like to right. see like well, that type of being. Villain. Being that obviously we know we're not going to see Heath Ledger in that role again. Oh well, yeah. Rest in, rest in peace to him. But if that's the kind of Joker that we're looking for. In the in future Batman films, um, who would you like to see take on that mantle? Because not every actor can take on a character as complex and as well known as the Joker. So, who would you like to see step into those shoes? Um, uh, 
I mean, I heard rumors that Johnny Depp uh, was going to uh, possibly, you know, consider taking that role. But I think I, I would like to see Willem Dafoe. I can see him as as a Joker uh, character. And for those who don't know, Willem Dafoe is, is most known for his role as Norman Osborn in the original Spider-Man uh, movie. But yeah, I feel like William Defoe would be a nice choice. I feel like because um, I, I don't know, something about like like his his grin and his smile. Like if he had the Joker makeup on, he would look you know terrifying as fuck. Right, right. And I feel like maybe Johnny Depp could do that too, depending on what they want to do with the Joker within the film. You know yeah. what I mean? Um. So my top two would be William Defoe and Johnny Depp. If I had to add a a second person or a third person, it would probably. I don't really know if I could add a third person to be honest, because like I said, there's not very many people that can take on the legend of that character and and play it as well as you know. As well yeah. as a walking Phoenix or a Heath Ledger. So, you know, again, those would be my top two as well. Um, <laughs> anyway, I think we're going to close out this podcast. All right, yeah. I think it's been uh, about an hour already. So, ladies and gentlemen, that's been our analysis of the Joker. I hope you enjoyed our podcast here today. And I'd like to thank my cousin Gio for coming on with us. Yes, and, thank, you, thank you all for listening and um, joining in with us today. And we hope to see you guys again. And I hope to get Gio on another podcast here soon. But for now, we just hope that you all enjoy this content that we brought here today. All right. All right, Frank. Well, it was good talking to you for this uh, this session. Good talking to you too, Primo. All right. And uh, we'll be disconnecting now. And uh, if we have any other ideas, then we can make another podcast. Right. Um, also, if, if anyone has any ideas for future content, please let me know so that I can bring better content that more people with one right here. Yeah. All right. Thank you for listening, you guys, and we'll see you soon on the next one. All right. Take care, everyone. All right. Bye.